Welcome to Bringing Truth to Life. My name is Henry Clay, and we hope you enjoy this series of messages on cultivating a heart for God. Well, we are on week three, and last week we talked about that verse up at the top. Let's say it all together two times. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. One more time now, not looking at it. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And last week we looked at the Jesus' healing of the leper, and our phrase last week was, Lord, you can make me clean. Let's say that twice. Lord, you can make me clean. Lord, you can make me clean. And that's like also a little seed, a seed of hope that you can carry with you because even in our best days and our best intentions, we often don't uh, live up to even what we were hoping we would. And God certainly through his holy eyes could find even greater fault and so much we need to have that word of hope, Lord, you can make me clean. Now tonight we're going to talk about the law of sowing and reaping, the law of sowing and reaping and what we are going to our takeaway points tonight, and we're gonna, I'm going to say them a couple of times because I bug you with this, and then it bugs you all week long as you, the phrase comes back to your mind. You reap what you sow later than you sow, more than you sow. You reap what you sow later than you sow, more than you sow. Now, as you've got those seeds, here I've got, everyone's got a seed but me. Here, everybody got a seed? Now, you, everybody got Let me see your seed. Or so little, I, you know, you could just be holding up your fingers. Okay. Now look at that tiny thing. I mean, it's about the size of a tiny little rock, isn't it? What can you tell me about it? Look at it. It's yellow. It's got a point on one end. Sounds like a pencil. It's hard. Put it in the ground and grow. It's small. Funny thing about seeds, uh, what if I brought in a seed the size of a basketball? What would your thought be? If I said, this is a seed, what would you think? What's it going to grow into? I mean, that's not going to grow, that's not a daisy. You know, you don't, you don't start out with a seed the size of a basketball and end up with a daisy. Even a redwood seed, is, I think, is rather small. So seeds are small things, but in them is a germ of life, and it is a promise or a hope for the future. And if it's something good, then a good seed, it'll produce something good. If it's something bad, what if it's a dragon seed? You know, well, you'd much rather have to deal with the seed than the dragon. So a seed is, is something that the Bible talks a lot about because it's something that's always been there. At certain points in time in history, you could use cell phones as, a, as an illustration. But there be maybe in 100 years, they won't know what they are. So there, there are some things that were only for a particular period of time that, no, that uh, lose their effectiveness as, a, as an illustration because you don't have them anymore. But seeds have always been around and I imagine always will be. And in the universe, God has established natural laws that govern everything that happens. For example, gravity. If you took your seed and you dropped it, you know exactly what it's going to do because it always would do that because there's gravity and the force the force that's been established by God to keep you from floating away. And an important law that God has built into the universe is the law of sowing and reaping. 
Uh, Wendy and I learned a lot about this in, the, in a course we took on, on marriage and couples. And I wanted to share some of the thoughts with you tonight, if my voice permits. And if some of you are way in the back and you can't hear me, it's because uh, you're just hearing me. This is really uh, no amplification. And, uh, but we want to look at Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And it's up there. Why don't we read it out loud together? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. You want to give that a try with me? I'll say it one more time, then you say it the next time with me. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. Now you. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. Two truths. You're always sowing. This isn't a decision, will I sow seed or not? You are always, in your life, sowing what the Bible would call seed. And secondly, there are no neutral seeds. There are no in-between seeds. And this is neither good nor bad. It's, it's just sort of in the middle. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. I have set before you today life and death, blessing and cursings, and you can choose which path you will go down, but there's not a middle path, that it's neither a blessing nor a curse. There are no neutral seeds. So the Bible teaches there are, there are two bags of seeds, if we want to call them that. There's Satan's bag of seeds, which leads to death. Matthew 13, 24, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. There was good seed that the man had sown, in a figure of speaking God, and the enemy came at night, and what did he sow? Weeds. The Old, Testament, the Old King James Version, tares. Satan's bag of seeds. Satan has seeds. And he also plants them. He sows them in the world and in people's hearts. But there's also God's bag of seeds that give life. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. And we see he's using it in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. There are spiritual seeds, seeds that God has given us to sow, and they yield a harvest of righteousness. So let's examine this law and see what we can find. Remember, you reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. Say it with me again. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. 
And the first part of this, you reap what you sow. And by the way, uh, let me give credit where credit is due. This is a sermon I heard, just at least those three points. That's why I want to pass it on to you, see? I heard this 25 years ago in First Baptist Atlanta from Dr. Charles Stanley, so I'm grateful for him for these three points. <laughs> but you always reap the same kind of thing that you sowed. It's more of the same. If you sow apples, you're not going to get oranges. If you sow bananas, you're not going to get reindeer. You always reap the exact same kind of thing that you sow. Well, what, but what if I sow one thing, but then I ask for forgiveness? That's wonderful. You can be forgiven, but you still sowed that seed, and there still will be a harvest. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whether or not you ask for forgiveness, there is always a harvest coming. That's why we should give more thought to what we're sowing. Because once it's sown, there will be a reaping coming. It's the law of natural consequences. It is one of the main ways that God disciplines us and trains us. Because He allows us to make decisions. He gives us His counsel, just like you have given, if you have children, you have given them your counsel. Sometimes they pay attention to you. Many times it seems like they don't. Uh, and if they're at the age where they're just going to do whatever they're going to do. They're also going to reap whatever they're going to reap. And that's often maybe a source of sorrow for, for you as you look on. But there's some things you realize as a parent as they get older, there's less and less you can control about their lives, about what they sow, and about what they reap. And this is the way, one of the ways that God disciplines us. He says, well, you pick whatever you want. But if you sow good seed, good things will happen. And if you sow bad seed, bad things will happen. And hopefully you will learn from both of those choices. You'll be confirmed in the good, if it was the good, and you'll be warned and exhorted by the bad because you'll realize, hey, that doesn't, that now it's not looking like it was such a good idea. Job 4.8 says, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Those who sow trouble reap it. Proverbs 11:18. The wicked man earns deceptive wages. Why deceptive? Because at outset it looks like it was a good idea. I got away with it. I robbed the bank and they didn't find me. But God has a long-term plan. And any evil that was sown, there is no crime that you ever get away with in God's eyes. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a true reward. Now perhaps what we reap doesn't look just like what we sowed, but it is the same family type. Now if you plant this seed that you have, where did it go? You got it somewhere, now, but you were taking notes, so you put it down, didn't you? Okay, I'm going to want you this week to keep this with you. Man, it's a little easier because maybe you can put it in your pants pocket. Women, you're, you have to be creative. You, maybe, you, you can't find anything in your purse. I don't know if you want to throw it in there. But, uh, well, some of you can, well, I'm sure. But excuse me for being generalizing there. But if you sow this in the ground, what, what happens to a seed? How come we could leave this sitting up here for 100 years and, and maybe the basket would rot away, but the seeds would probably still be sitting there? How come when you put it in the ground, Within a week, some change is going to happen. It's because of the humidity. Uh, it's made to where it, it can absorb enough moisture so that the inner core of this begins to swell 
and that's what breaks the seed coating around it and brings the germination. Now, why did I tell you that? Oh, so anyway, so you plant your, you plant your popcorn and uh, you don't, you're not looking at it and a, little, a new little popcorn comes up, a little yellow thing, yellow and pointy on the end like you were saying, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Something green comes up. It says, wait a minute, I planted something yellow. And it's something long and straight. And it says, well, mine was little dumpy and round. And it's soft. And what I planted was hard. Well, just wait. It's not done. So then it gets tall. Well, that's it's not even, it's even less like what I planted. And then these big bulgy things start growing on the sides. It says, well, that doesn't look at all like the popcorn I planted. But then finally, when you open up one of those ears, you see something yellow. It says, now that does look like what I planted. So sometimes what you plant, if you're thinking, well, he said you reap what you sow, but I did this, and that's not what has happened to me. Nevertheless, you reap what you sow. It is the same family type. Take, for example, the Beatitudes. Think about that. The Beatitudes says, you sow this, you reap this. You may have never thought about it in those terms. But he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who make a habit of sowing that attitude in their lives What's, what do they reap? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, but I thought it was poor in spirit. What, it's the same family type. These things go together. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Those who sow hunger, a hunger and thirst for righteousness, it says they will be filled. Well, that sounds like a little bit more of a correlation there. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But nevertheless, even though it doesn't always exactly look the same, it's the same family type. You cannot possibly sow something bad and reap something good from it in an eternal sense. And you can't possibly sow something good and in the long run reap something bad in an eternal sense. So that's the first point. You always reap what you sow, for better or worse. Now the second one, you reap what you sow. What's the next one before I put it up? You got your notes, didn't you? <laughs> you reap later than you sow. And the third one will be, you reap more than you sow. Let's do that again. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. One more time. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. There's a lag time effect. The harvest is not usually immediate. It's not something that you uh, sow a seed and five minutes later... Bang, there's the plant and you're ready to harvest. It takes time. And in the same way in the physical world, it takes time for things to germinate. That's why, uh, especially among young people, they think they're getting away with everything because they're living this fast and easy and maybe whether money or purity or lying or whatever area, they're thinking, I, I've got it made. I've got it figured out. I'm, I'm smarter than I can beat the system. Oh, but they're just going along sowing, and they don't realize, well, it might be six months, it might be two years, it might be 30 years. But you have sown seed that will come back as a wicked harvest later on. For example, we sin and say, it wasn't so bad after all. It looks like I got away with it. I'm sure Eve, you know, God had said, if you eat this, you will surely die. She gets the fruit, she bites it, she waits. I didn't die. Ha ha, I got away with it. Well, let's give it to my husband. You know, I've made a discovery. 
But she did die. She died immediately spiritually in the sense that she was separated eternally from God, which is the true source of death. She died 10 years, 80 years. We don't know how many years after that, but she eventually also died physically. Not only do you reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow. And that can throw you off. That's why that first verse said, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. Why could you get deceived? Because it's not instant. And you're thinking, well, maybe it doesn't always happen. It always happens. Secondly, we sow good seed, and shortly afterwards, we dig it up and conclude that it isn't working. I mean, you've heard the story of the little boy who plants the, would take this home and plant it, and then every five minutes come back and dig it up and say, Mom, this isn't working. You know, you reap, and you have to teach the child, you reap later than you sow. And if you keep digging it up, you know, popcorn is not ever going to hatch. The Bible says that everything that is hidden will one day be revealed. Everything. It's a promise from God. You know God cannot lie. And once he has said something, it is, it is firmer than, than cement, stone, diamonds. It's the rock-ribbed foundation of the universe, what God has decreed. And God has decreed that everything, everything that is hidden will be revealed. And for some of us, that is definitely not good news. The third point, not only do you reap what you sow later than you sow, but you also reap more than you sowed. This is more than cause and effect. I put one seed in the ground, I get one seed out of the ground later. What I sowed later than I sowed. You also reap more than you sowed. Now I could put maybe one of these in the ground and I would get more than all of that back again. Is that good or bad? It depends, doesn't it? If they were dragon seeds, that would not be good. If it was a money tree, that would be very good. That People are in the investment business are always looking for that kind of investment. A cause and effect would be I, I hit my finger with a hammer and, and then, then it hurts. I reaped what I sowed. I sowed uh, not being uncautious with the hammer and now I'm in pain. But what this is talking about is when you say you reap more than what you sow, it's multiplication. And that's for better or worse. This should fill me with godly fear when it comes to practicing evil and motivate me to be diligent in sowing what is good because everything counts. Everything counts. And one of the things I want you to realize with this seed uh, and, and holding it in your hand, carrying it around, losing it in your pocketbook or in your pocket, I want you to think again and again, but that thing is so little, what difference could it make? Because so many times Satan has gotten you on that. And you think, well, it's just this one little thing. It's a seed. It's not a pebble. It's a seed. And you will reap not only what you sow later than you sow, you will reap more than you sow. Hosea 8.7 says, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. They sow the wind and they reap a hurricane. Because you don't only reap what you sow, but it multiplies. There's more to it when it comes back. There's a cumulative effect, sort of like a snowball. 
what would we know about snowballs? But some of you, how many of you have done snowballs? If you admit it, okay. Every once in a while, it does come around down here, doesn't it? And all of us get out and do something, except, unless, except for the people that are glad to be away from the snow <laughs> that used to live there all the time. But you start with something small and you keep rolling it. It's sort of fascinating, you know, if the temperature's right where it'll stick. And the same way with sin. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Now let's look at the life of David and see if we can illustrate this. But looking at the life of David, there was one point at which King David did something very bad and very sad where he saw a woman bathing who was married to one of his soldiers who was off fighting a war, the battle for the king and for the country. He has relations with this man's wife, tries to cover it up, and is not able to, and finally arranges the husband's death. Maybe we'll look at that more sometime. But that's what he sowed. What, what did he sow? He sowed lust, adultery, lying, and murder. That's the seed that he sowed. I mean, he had, did a lot of good things in his life. There was, these were, in a sense, they were very, very bad, but they were just, maybe each one took a matter of hours, and he lived 70 years. And you think, well, time-wise at least, what a small amount of time we're talking about. But let's look at the results of what he reaped in his own life as a result of that. In chapter 12, the child that's been born from that union dies, even though he's praying that it won't. In chapter 13, his daughter was raped. In chapter 13 also, his son Amnon was murdered. Then his son Absalom deceives his father and rebels and splits the kingdom and brings the kingdom into civil war. And finally, uh, his son Absalom is killed. So what was the harvest from his sowing adultery, murder, and lying. His daughter and his ten concubines were raped. Three of his sons were killed. In other words, he reaped the same things that he had sowed, but he also reaped more than what he sowed. And 2 Samuel 12.10 says, Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house, he told David. And David, watch this, David had asked for forgiveness. Now, if this doesn't send chills down your spine, you know, this is something very important to get clear on because these are laws like gravity. You can jump off the building and hurt yourself and then ask for forgiveness, but your leg is still broken or whatever happened from jumping off the building. Gravity still is working. But it can also work for you if you will let it. In Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, he says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the Father to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And this shows us how much stronger is the grace of God than anything else. We'll look at that a little bit more, but I want you to notice God says, you need to watch what you do in your life and what you sow in your life because it can affect it down to the fourth generation, not just your children, not just your grandchildren. Even your great-grandchildren that you may never see can be affected 
by the unrighteous things you have done in your life. But, he says, on the other hand, anything good that you've sown in your life, even if it was little things, it has the potential of affecting not just to the fourth generation, the tenth generation, the fiftieth generation, the hundredth generation, the five hundredth generation, but to the thousandth generation. That's more than all the generations, I think, that have ever lived on the face of the earth, at least since Noah, you know. Uh, it's hard to count back before then. To the thousandth generation. You reap what you sow later than you sow and more than you sow. Will you say that with me? You reap what you sow later than you sow, more than you sow. So let's look a little bit, think a little bit about this. Well, what are you sowing then? Because this, you can make this work for you. This can be good news for you tonight. You may have heard the, the, uh, the little saying, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Why is it so important? Because we tend to not pay attention to little things. We think, well, I'm watching out for the big things. And what he teaches us with this principle is, you better watch out for the little things too, because the devil always eats you in bites. He doesn't show up with the full deal right at the beginning because he knows he'll, he'll scare you off. You know, you're not that bad off. I mean, something that bad, you can say, oh, no, no way, no way I'm going to do that. So what does he do? He says, well, how about, how about just that little thing? Look at that little thing. Isn't that cute? Yeah, but I shouldn't do that. Yeah, but nobody's watching, and it is just a little thing, and you could always ask for forgiveness uh, when it's over. And I won't tell anybody, the devil says. Right. We need to learn to pay attention to the little things. What are you sowing right now? Now, we're not going to make you answer anything. You just This is between you and God and your heart and everything. Are you sowing devotion to God right now? Do you have a time where you meet with God in the secret place to read your Bible and pray? Does God have your attention? It's so easy to get to be where we, we know all the, the right things to do and the way to dress and we're faithful in our church attendance, which is very good. But God sees deeper than that and sees uh, what kind of thoughts go in, off in our mind as we're in group activities and as we're in our home. And are our thoughts drawn toward God? And do we spend time in the Scripture? Are we learning to pray? Are we drawing near to God? Secondly, are we sowing contentment or complaining? Maybe this is a good one to ask your, the people you share your house with on this one because we usually give ourselves a better grade than the people close to us. And uh, we think, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. And then we ask the spouses as well. You know, I don't think you're doing that good. Uh, to me, you're kind of negative lately. Are you sowing the seeds of contentment? When you look at that car, that house, that possession that you've got, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, but so-and-so has one even better or newer or shinier, and uh, all I've got is this old thing, and 
And, you know, are you sowing contentment? Are you always thinking about what you don't have? Or are you growing and growing and thanking God for everything you do have? Are you grateful when you get out of bed in the morning that you can even move your hands? That you can, sometimes I think, you know, I can do all of this and, and none of it hurts yet. Now, maybe someday it will, you know. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm way beyond that, Henry. That's okay. You made it here tonight. And someday none of us will be able to do that. Are you overflowing with gratitude? Are you just kind of rocking along waiting for there to be some more disappointment and think, good grief, you know, nothing ever works out for me. Oh, God, the only thing I, I deserve today is to be in hell already. I think I'm doing pretty good. I, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Think about the alternative. We're really doing fine. Sometimes I have to tell myself that. I'm walking along and I'm thinking, you know, well, there's this and that. Says, Henry, you're doing fine. Everything is fine, you know. You're not in hell where you belong. You are clothed. You're in your right mind. You can walk around. There, you, you can see. You can hear. You can laugh, cry. You can still walk, drive. You can hug people. You can open the scriptures and read it. You're fine. You're really fine. Growing in contentment. Kindness or meanness? What kind of an atmosphere is there being sown in your home? And sometimes the things we see in the, in the lives of the people that we share our home with, we think, yeah, but you're just so negative. Well, is, is that in any way a reflection of things I've been sowing in their life? Am I really just reaping something I've sown in their life? Maybe it's not just them. Maybe it's also me. That happens sometimes with parents and children. You see these, these bad attitudes with the kids. And it's so helpful sometimes to think, well, how have our attitudes been as mom and dad? Maybe, we've been, maybe we taught them that, or at least didn't help matters at all. Are you sowing honesty or a deception? Are you making a habit of being honest? Or are there so many little lies that you just let them slide? You think, well, it's just one little seed, just one little lie. You reap what you sow later than you sow more than you sow. And Jacob sowed lying and deception and stole the birthright from Esau. And what did he reap when he went off to Padan Haran or whatever the name of that place was with his uncle? And his uncle deceived him time after time after time. Jacob reaped what he sowed later than he sowed and much more than he sowed. Uh, purity or sensuality, and this is more and more of an issue because uh, our world is bombarded with uh, sensual images. And also as far as uh, the fairer sex, there's a lot of uh, emotional kind of things that can catch you up also uh, in terms of sensuality or impurity. I knew of one, one lady that got completely addicted to reading uh, romantic novels that were more and more on the border. And that's what she was sowing in her life. And there was also a reaping that was very bad. Are you sowing the scriptures? That's a seed. That's not, you've got a bag full of seed right there with your Bible where you can be sowing that in your life and in the lives of the people that you know. Or television, which is kind of like popcorn. It's a, television is sort of in between popcorn and poison. You know, it kind of ranges in between there. It may not... Then you may be watching some things that aren't really bad for you, but it's not as though that for the hour you put in there, you really got that much out of it. It's like popcorn, you know. I mean, not, how many vitamins are in popcorn? You probably won't die eating popcorn, but 
you might get fat and look bad, you know? Uh, it's just not, it's not a balanced meal. And TV is sort of like that. You know, how, can, how will we justify someday standing before God and he gives the statistics on our life and we realize, you know, I spent 20 hours a week watching television and one hour a week reading the Bible. And God looks at you and says, now will you explain that to me? And you'll think, I don't think I can explain that. I, don't, I, I can't come up with a good excuse for that one. I just did it. Are you sowing generosity or covetousness? Let's say you don't think your gift to the church for this building program is very big, but it is a seed. It is a seed. And as you sow that in this giving project and other situations of supporting missions or whatever it is, when you give, you are sowing seed and you have a promise from God. Tell it to me. You reap what you sow more than you sow later than you sow. You're sowing generosity. You're sowing good stewardship. And that will come back at you in kind. Now the question comes up, but where's the grace? If this law always works, and it always does, has God ever suspended gravity for you because you prayed? I prayed and I, I was falling over and all of a sudden I lifted back up because I prayed. No, you fell bang. Where is the grace of God as we look at these spiritual laws that govern the universe? Because this message, frankly, may be arriving to your life and your heart tonight a little bit late. You're thinking, Henry, why didn't God get this word to me 20 years ago? Because 10 years ago, I made a really bad decision, a really bad sowing. It was just a moment. A, mo a moment of weakness. I did this stupid thing. Maybe it wasn't a moment. Maybe it was a maybe it was a week. Maybe it was a year. But nevertheless, it wasn't all the time. But the results are with you to this day. And that as we talk about you reap what you sow, you're thinking you sure do. You reap later than you sow. Yep. You reap more than you sow. I have certainly had a whole lot more misery than the size of what it was that bad decision I made. Where is God's grace for me tonight? First, I want to talk about how God shows His grace to us just with the consistency, the grace of consistency. One of the things they use to torture people is arbitrariness. They'll get the, the, the prisoner one day to dig a hole and give him a, reward him with a nice meal. The next day, get him to dig the same hole the same way and then beat him. Arbitrariness, that you never know if you do this, what's going to happen. It keeps changing. Without consistency, there would be nothing to learn and no way to improve. We might as well just go out and shoot ourselves. Because any road leads to anywhere, anytime. Can you imagine trying to teach your children anything? if the consequences could always change? That's what strengthens and, and allows wisdom to form because the good is good and the bad is bad. And you sow good things and you will reap good things and you sow bad things and you will reap bad things. And sooner or later, even the thickest of, them, of us begin to realize, hey, 
I think it's time to quit being so stupid and do what's good. I've lived long enough doing these other things and now I realize I was only kidding myself. And by being, by God allowing this law to be absolutely consistent, this will work with, it is working already with every person in this life, every day of your life, this law is in operation, whether you know it or not, just like gravity. There may be people in the world that have never heard of gravity, but it is still working in their lives. And this law is also working in their lives and in your life. And because of its consistency, you can learn to make the most of it and to be blessed by it. And it is never too late. Someone once said, failure is never final. No, success is never final. Help me get this right. Success is never final. Failure seldom fatal. It's not over till it's over. You say, well, I've lived all these years sowing what's... Yep, but from now on, you can take this, and anything good you sow now, you will reap what you sow, more than you sow, later than you sow. God didn't even start with Abraham until he was 70. And Abraham probably, for the first 10 years, was thinking, why didn't you start earlier with me, God? 70 years of bad decisions, living there in Ur, and I'd sometimes slip into going to the idolatrous temple, you know, and, and you didn't show up till I was 70. And God has changed the whole world through a 70-year-old who began sowing good seed in the last part of his life. The second point on where is God's grace is, it is meant to bear good fruit even when the sowing was bad and the reaping was worse. It is meant to bear good fruit even when the sowing was bad and the reaping was worse. We have a beautiful psalm in this Bible, Psalm 51. It has been a blessing to millions of people. It was the psalm where David confesses his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, he talks to God and writes it all down. And even though David reaped exactly what he sowed, later than he sowed, more than he sowed, God got more out of it than that. David learned humility through it because obviously to write a public confession of your sin in the most what's become the most published book in the history of the human race, that take, would take guts. Now, he didn't know, I guess, that it was going to be published quite that much, but he knew people were going to read it. And the fruit that it bore in his life was humility. Second, well, under this, the, that it can bear good fruit, God is shown to be righteous. That the good really is good, the bad really is bad, and there's a consistency. And third, Good fruit can be born in your life even when you made bad decisions by the wisdom that you get out of that. There's some people now that are so good in counseling and helping others because they made themselves such horrible choices earlier in their life. And they've paid for it. It's not as though they got away with it. But now God brings a sweet fruit and a sweet aroma of brokenness with which they can touch many, many lives. It's not over. And God's grace picks you up and finds you right where you are and Lord, you can make me clean. And then you say, God, I'm just giving you the broken shards of my life. Is there anything you can do with this? And he says, there's plenty I can do with that. I've just been waiting for you to come to me. It was meant to bear good fruit, even when the sowing was bad and the reaping was worse. And third, where is God's grace? God switched places with us for the final harvest. What you've been getting, reaping of the, some of the bad sowing that you've had, that was just the first fruits. 
The true harvest of any seed sown, any sin that was done in my life, is hell forever. Just one would have done it. That's how awful, how radioactive, how cancerous sin is. That just one would have been enough to merit hell forever. So any pain and suffering, any bad fruit that you have already experienced because of bad decisions in your life, that's just the beginning. The true harvest was death and hell and separation from God forever. And for all those that have put their faith in Christ, God says, Jesus is going to take the full harvest. How many of you have seen the Passion? Well, you saw a good example of what that looked like. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He switched places with us for the final harvest. God's grace never meant that he would change the rules or overlook sin. It meant that he would go and pay the price for us. Well, let's see if we can land the plane. In conclusion, Hosea 10.12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. And Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with Him. Every day you are sowing seed. Every time you wake up to, early enough to read your Bible and to pray, and maybe a thought comes to your mind, oh, well, what good does it do? So it's a seed. It's a seed. And if I sow this seed, I will reap what I sow, later than I sow, more than I sow. You have that, that moment to be kind or negative with your spouse. It's a seed. Begin to pay attention to those little things. Because if you can train yourself to be more consistent in those little things and the good things, it will pay off. The Bible says when it, and when it talks about the payoff as far as the multiplication, it's not just a, like a 20% return on your investment. It's like it's 30-fold. They don't even have terms for that. Do they, Clark? You know, a 30-fold investment. In a year, you'll get back. If you put in a dollar, you'll get $30 back. How many people would be interested in that kind of investment, you know? Uh, he says, no, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the conservative one. We also have a 60-fold yield, and we also have a 100-fold yield. So when you are sowing the Scripture, you're going to try and learn a verse. Say, so, well, what if I got whatever, you know, maybe it's not exactly the same thing, but it's the same family. I, I sow one verse in my life, and I get back the equivalent of 100. Wow, I like that kind of odds. And I, I say one kind word, and that means 30 kind words will be coming back toward me someday. I sow $10 of generosity, and God says, you'll not only get back the equivalent of that in blessing, but it'll be multiplied. 
10, 30, 60, 100 fold. Really? Yeah. You reap what you sow, more than you sow, later than you sow. But if you are also playing with sin, and it seems like it's something little, also remember that same lesson. View that little sin, that little lie, that little moment looking at pornography on the Internet, or borderline stuff that's not really technically pornography or impurity, but your conscience bothers you on it. And remember, it's a seed. And you reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. Say it with me. You reap what you sow, later than you sow, more than you sow. Stand to your feet and let's commit this to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we tremble at your word. Because in many ways it is sad news for us tonight. But that's okay because in many ways it is good news for us and we have every day of our life left to put it into practice and to have the hope for a huge, future, wonderful harvest. And as far as the things in our past that are sad, we also have the covering grace of God to give us humility, brokenness, wisdom, and even to use the bad and the sad things in our life in the past, even though we cannot keep from reaping a harvest. Lord, there are many ways that you can make use even of our mistakes to turn them around, to recycle them for your glory, to bless others that also struggle with sin. Lord, we look forward to a future harvest of joy and righteousness, and we'll give you all the credit because you're the one that gave us the game plan, put the motivation in our heart, and filled us with enough hope and encouragement that we thought to ourselves, yeah, that's what I want to do. Lord, help us to partner with you. Thank you, Lord, for this, these weeks of looking at our heart, how to guard our heart, how for you to ask you to clean away the rubble, and now how to sow good seed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast.